Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Today we are going into um, our study on Acts. It is actually Pentecost Sunday today, which some people have no idea what that is. And I remember... um, I mean, I grew up going to Pentecostal churches, and so it was mentioned, but I'd, I don't remember that we actively did anything super specific on Pentecost Sunday, which is interesting. But um, part of that is because as people who believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is relevant to us 365 days a year. So it's not just a one day we note this, but it's every day we believe that this is absolutely our reality, that we engage the Holy Spirit every day. Um, so some churches have more traditional approaches. There's certain scriptures and certain things that are read. It's very convenient that we already happen to be in the book of Acts. So... Um, If you've got your Bibles with you today, we're going to dig into this. We're going to kind of bounce through another chunk today um, and and pull out some specific things. And we're going to just mess with everybody's mind. I've got three key areas that we're going to talk about, about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to work them backwards from three, two, and one. So um, just because we can. And because I think God's highlighting something else. But just for our information, when we look at the book of Acts... We see right at the beginning um, in Acts chapter 2 that there's this move that happens because the Holy Spirit comes. That there's a a place in Acts chapter 2 starting at verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so this is this moment of Pentecost that we celebrate and with a... a, spirit-led perspective on what our church believes. This is something that we believe. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit in a tangible form that we all engage. Um, But this word Pentecost is so interesting because it actually goes way back further than that. And so we're going to dig into some of that a little bit today and kind of understanding what we're talking about um, prior to, same as when Jesus was the manifestation of the Lamb of God, right? Prior to the cross, there was lambs that had to be sacrificed, blood shed for the remission of sins for a temporary time. Jesus came once for all to become the lamb of God for the sins of the world. So in that moment of the crucifixion, the resurrection, things changed. So everything that had been a pattern up until that point became a once and for all something that was available to everybody who wanted Same thing with Holy Spirit. So prior to Pentecost Sunday that we recognize, there was a celebration that went on every year. And so we kind of want to tie into that today. And I'm going to say things as simply as possible because we actually have a lot of people in-house and that watch online right now that are brand new to the things of God. And, And we can't just assume that everybody knows everything. So to try and simplify it, when we talk about Holy Spirit, who is Holy Spirit? God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three parts of the Godhead. They are different, different personalities, different roles, different parts. But God, Holy Spirit is not um, this wind or this, the, the gift of tongues. It's not an it, it's a he. 
he's a he and he's he is God and so when Jesus left the earth Holy Spirit came and we have this continual walk with God that's available to us but prior to this this Pentecost when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place so the day of Pentecost that had fully come is simply penta means five uh, sorry 50 so it was 50 days from Passover this was a celebration that happened every year, every time. There was seven weeks. It was known as the Festival of Weeks or the Celebration of Weeks. It was, uh, it's called Shavuot, Shavuot, something like that. Yeah, I know. You're welcome for my butchering of the Hebrew language. It's a special gift. But it's 50 days after uh, Passover, and it's the first fruits of the wheat harvest. So there's a first fruits of the barley harvest, a first fruits of the wheat harvest, and then there's a first fruits of the uh, um, uh, olive and grape harvest. So there's separate celebrations, but this is one of the feasts that everybody, every able-bodied man was supposed to come to Jerusalem to bring a wave offering and to celebrate the harvest. This is why Jerusalem was full at that time with people from all over the place. They spoke different dialects and different tones because they were obligated. They had this thing under the law that everybody had to come and they were going to celebrate together. So this was an ongoing thing that happened every year. One of the other things that was very interesting about this is along the way, as they celebrated not just the provision of God and the harvest, but they also began to celebrate this as the, the day where the law was first given to Israel so that they could connect with God. So this is, this is really, really cool. And if you look at Exodus 19... Verse 18 and 19, this is the story, the bigger picture of it is the people had come out of Egypt. Do you remember way back, so we're talking Old Testament, the Hebrew people were in, in Egypt, in slavery, 400 years of bondage. They had come out, they had come into the desert, they'd come into the wilderness, and they had come to meet with God. Guess how many days they were out there? 50. And God comes to meet with them on the mountain and he tells Moses he tells get the people ready get them purified get them clean I'm going to come and talk to them I'm going to come and meet with them and then it says in Exodus 19 18 and 19 now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly and when a blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. This is this one and done thing that happens back in the Old Testament where God shows up and he actually says to Israel, he's like, I want to meet with you. I want to talk to you. I'm going to give you my laws. I'm going to give you the instructions of how to live. I'm going to show you how to operate with me. I'm going to get to know you. Now, why this is important is prior to this, so 400 years, they're in slavery in Egypt, serving a God that nobody talked to, nobody had heard from, nobody, it was literally just, we're serving a God that we believe is real, but we don't know him. So God's like, oh, let me introduce myself. 
fire from heaven, shaking mountain, voice, thunder. And they're like, you know what, Moses, <laughs> you go talk to him. We are terrified. Um, you let us know what he says and we'll, we'll hear it from back here when you let us know what happens. And so from that time, they were okay with it. God was like, okay, if that's the case, then you come up. You come up and I will tell you, I'm going to give you my laws and you can proclaim it to the people. And it became this thing where from that point on, there was the God laws and then there was ongoing man-made laws that just kept getting added on. And so if we want to talk to God, we do this, we do this, we do this, we kill that, we sacrifice this, we shave that, we wash this, we burn that, we excommunicate that. We, these are the things we do, to, but, they, but we've heard from God and these are the things that we do. Notice the fire came down, there was a sound, there was movement. It's so similar to hmm, something else that we just read. It's quite cool, but it, it's a very disconnected, disjointed kind of God is there. He is present, but the people stood back and they didn't really experience him they got to hear about him. They got to see the effects of him. And they got to figure out how to serve him, what to do for him. But they didn't want to know him. He's scary. So Moses, you go talk to him and tell us what he says. So this crossover thing, Exodus 20, 19, you speak with us and we will hear. But uh, Sorry, Exodus 20, verse 19. You speak with us, we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Exodus 20, 19, you speak with us, we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. God came once and dealt with the masses, Old Testament. New Testament Pentecost comes and the presence of God is available to every single person. Tongue of fire per person. Isn't that amazing? So it's the same thing as like, oh my goodness, Old Testament, I want to talk to God, I'm, I want to meet with God, I'm dealing with guilt and shame and the brokenness of my life, and so we're going to come and we're going to kill a lamb, or we're going to kill a goat, or we're going to kill a whatever, and we're going to pour the blood out, and we're going to hope to talk to God, versus New Testament, come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Holy Spirit is the same. Old Testament, God wanted to communicate with his people. He wanted to meet with them. He wanted to talk with them. He wanted to, to, to live amongst them. And they were like, yeah, no, you are terrifying. And it was all about rules. And so there was this centralized rule system. New Testament, they're gathered together just seeking God. And the presence of God comes personally for each one of them. We are so blessed to live on this side of the cross. Do you know that? We are so blessed to live on this side of the empty tomb. And we are so blessed to live on this side of Pentecost. This is a big deal where something totally happens where we can now know God. We can talk to God. We can experience God. We can partner with God in the purposes of his heart. And we can live in and through his power. 
Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You shall receive power. And today we are talking about this empowered and engaged. See, sometimes we, we it's like, oh, it's Pentecost Sunday. Okay, what does that mean? We're, it's not really about we, we go through the motions of marking things because that was Old Testament. They totally did. Every 50 days after Passover, we go through the motions and we do this stuff. New Testament, though, it's a good reminder of, oh my goodness, I actually get to talk to God. I actually get to know God. I actually have access to the wisdom of heaven. I can, I can experience God personally. I'm not, can you imagine? It is the law. On the 50th day after Passover, every able-bodied man has to make it to Ottawa to go bring a sacrifice. Good times, right? Every able-bodied man make it to Jerusalem to bring a sacrifice, to do the celebration. Now, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And when we seek him, we find him. The fullness of God in however he desires to present himself to us. We receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. This is the promise, the invitation, and it is the point of great change. You shall receive power. Many of us have heard this power means dynamis. It's a power force, miraculous power, ability, abundance, strength. It is the root word of dynamite. It is that thing where there's the explosive miracle working power of God available to us. Not, it's not a celebration that we partake in. It's a God that we know, and he makes all of who he is available to us. What an incredible thing. And so this concept of we receive power, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is one of the things, if you're not, uh, you don't know about, you know, denominational stuff, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of sad. I, I mean, I love that when we read Revelation, we find out that everybody's around the throne, every tribe, every tongue, and we all figure it out on the other side. But here we got different things. And so a lot of people are like, oh man, the Pentecostals are super weird on Pentecost Sunday. Not really. Um, at least not in my perspective. <laughs> we just want to walk with the Holy Spirit all the time. And we do believe in being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And being baptized means to be immersed. It means to be completely submersed in who he is. And so when we walk through this, I love how Robert Morris breaks it out. Um, we actually need to engage him. When Jesus said, you need to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come upon you, we see the first arrival of the Holy Spirit, but then we see multiple subsequent times where we see people baptized in the Holy Spirit and something huge changes. So the breakdown is this. There's three stages that we go through in our faith. Number one is salvation. So salvation is when we get saved and we become a new person. When we believe that Jesus died, that he rose again, and we receive him. That's step one. Step two is water baptism. And again, baptism means immersion. So when we get water baptized, the old person is cut off. So something, something happens where we're like, okay, this is my absolute commitment to the Lord. I am making a physical commitment to him. The old is gone, the new has come. And number three is spirit baptism, is when you get spirit baptized, you get power to walk in the new. 
So if you look at it that way, salvation, we get saved, we become a new person. Water baptism, we get water baptized and the old person is cut off. Spirit baptism, you get power to walk in that newness of life. So that fullness, that, that full picture, none of that is like, oh, I just have to step into weird things. I'm going to have to go through these hoops. No, it's all just about living fully what Jesus paid for us. We want to just walk in the fullness of his spirit. And so in this, this empowerment to walk out who he's made us to be, to walk out the new, there is an empowerment for various aspects of life. And one of the things that I think is so sad is when we get fixated on Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. And therefore, if I'm not comfortable with speaking in tongues or I've had struggles in that area or whatever, I disengage with anything that says Holy Spirit and I just go just Jesus. But Jesus said, you need to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come. And as he walked through his words, particularly in John 14, 15, 16, we see Jesus highlight who Holy Spirit is over and over and over again. And I believe some of the issues with denominationalism and some of our disagreements on this stuff have caused people to miss out what it looks like to walk in the power of the living God. We have disengaged because we're offended in our minds. And I believe today God wants to just demystify this. We are talking about, do you welcome the being, the God of that, that is Holy Spirit to operate in your life? Not, do you want to shake on the floor, swing off the chandeliers and spit in tongues on people? We're not talking about that. We're talking about, do you want to be empowered to live the new life that God's given you? Do you want to walk in the fullness of, of what God has designed for you to live? Holy Spirit is an empowering force. He is God. He is here to walk with us in this life. And so sometimes I think we need to pause. If we're offended by different things, we need to pause and go, why am I offended by it? It Did somebody, like we are all broken people on the journey. I, I've heard um, people say, you know, being offended by what somebody did or said to you in church is like, and being like, oh my gosh, the church is full of hypocrites, is like being offended that there's large people at a gym. Like, we're all working out. We're all in process. We're all, we, we're not all fully done. We're in process. And so along the way, things don't always look or sound maybe as they should, but we're in process. And so maybe we've been offended or hurt or whatever by an expression of Holy Spirit that isn't maybe so much Holy Spirit, but maybe a little bit more flesh. We got to just kind of be okay to disengage from that and go, well, maybe that person is just that person. Robert Morris says, you know, sometimes if you bump into like really weird Holy Spirit people, the truth is before Holy Spirit, they were also really weird people. <laughs> and we can't blame God for their weirdness. You know, it's, it's just what they, what they express or how they express. And so we want to just kind of back walk through this. The ultimate thing is Holy Spirit is here to help us walk in the fullness of God, to empower us to live the God life right now. When talking about the Holy Spirit, Luke 11, uh, 13, Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Straight up, he was just saying, there's, there's a gift from heaven that you're meant to encounter, ask and receive 
not some weird big thing. It's something that God has poured out upon us. We're going to walk backwards. Point number three. We are empowered by Holy Spirit. We are empowered for action. We're empowered for action. And a lot of people are terrified about who Holy Spirit is and how we operate in Holy Spirit because they see people in some form of physical manifestation and miss the fact that there's an action that is being walked out, that there's something that people are experiencing of who God is and God is bearing fruit in their lives. One of the things that I think is so interesting is the, the walking out of how um, the Holy Spirit manifested in people's lives. Acts 8, 5 to 8 Acts 8 in general talks to the story about Philip, and Philip is, I mean, if you're new to the Bible, you gotta read the book of Acts. I, we can only skim it on Sunday mornings here, but like legit, there is prison breaks, there is dead people coming back to life, there is uh, sp- like space travel, or I don't know what you call it, but <laughs> Philip was the dude who was like in one place, finished his assignment and then was in another place without going there. Uh, translated. He, it, it's like, th- these are real things that happened. It's recorded. And some of us are like, I don't know if I feel like I'm interested in the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, here's, here's the thing. So Philip in Acts 8, 5 to 8, and then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For Here we go. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. How cool is that? I see nothing about chandeliers in there. (laughs) I see power in action. I see freedom. I see great joy in the city. I see something that happens when God enters a situation and life comes out the other side. Isn't that incredible? I think right now we're in the point where we've had so many in the body of Christ disengage from the move of the spirit that when we have demons show up, we give it a label and medicate it. And what we're intended to do is see unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice. They came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. It's this thing where you see Jesus, I think it's Mark 9, Jesus is is, um, there and, and this man brings up his son and he's like, my kid goes into these convulsions and he, you know, he throws himself down and fits. He's like, he throws himself into the fire. Your disciples weren't able to cast it out. Like, I don't know what's going on here. And Jesus ministers to this family, casts the demon out. But one of the things that I find interesting in that particular story is that Jesus says like, how, how long has this been going? And he says, since his childhood. We, we in our culture, say, this kid's been doing this since they were born. They've been doing this since they were little. They've been doing this since elementary school or whatever. Therefore, this is who they are. Do you know, it's, 
I believe it is possible when the church of Jesus Christ is operating in the power of the spirit that we can discern between damage and, you know, brokenness and something that needs to be driven out, something that needs to be liberated so that children are not labeled for the rest of their life, but they get to be free men and women of God and grow up into their destiny. Sometimes I think we're so offended about somebody speaking in tongues that we miss the fact that there's a generation growing up in bondage and we've turned aside. We're too weirded out to actually operate in power. But this is what we've been called to do. I'm probably offending people. I'm not even sorry this morning. I'm so, I'm so over it with the church being weak and sitting back and waiting for somebody to solve it when Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power, power. Why? When we're walking under the lie of powerlessness, we know the enemy, the deceiver, is saying something about us that is not true. Because Jesus said we would walk in power and power in action looks like freedom. It looks like a city that is full of great joy. Peter's describing Jesus' actions when he, he was walking in the fullness of the Spirit. He was walking in the fullness of the Godhead. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he's explaining it to people who never heard about Jesus. They just worship God. And he explains how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I'm telling you, we need a craving to operate in the things of the Spirit because that's what it looks like. People who are in bondage, people who are in torment, people who are in suffering. The Word tells us that the even creation is groaning, looking for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Why? Because we carry freedom. We carry power. But we can be so offended by a physical manifestation that we miss it. It's like finding out that you've got like a Mustang with like a power engine. Like it's got some juice, but you're like, I don't know, the seatbelt kind of bites. I'm just going to get a bicycle. I'm just going to get a bicycle and I'll get there sooner or later. No, deal with the seatbelt, but get in the car. Like let's drive, let's ride, right? And so this is what Jesus did. Jesus went about with the Holy Spirit and power, went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Philip, normal dude. Jesus was fully God, fully man. Philip, just a dude. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits went out with crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame became healed. Jesus said, greater things than I do, you will do. Jesus did this. Philip did it too. What are we doing? We're waiting for a grant for that. We're waiting for a system for that. We're waiting for a plan for that. Or we operate in the power of God. I don't mean this. I'm not like talking down to it. I'm saying sometimes we don't know what we got. 
Sometimes we don't know what we're carrying. We've been so addicted to going back and looking at secondary resources that we forget to go to the source of all life. The one who has the answer. The one who is in charge of my beating heart right this moment. Your beating heart. The one who is giving you the breath in your lungs. The one who is helping you to actually receive the oxygen from the atmosphere. And your, your, your hands to be able to stretch. Your feet to be able to dance. Your mind to be able to operate. The one who holds all that together by the power of his word. And we would rather stand in line for a system for somebody to solve the issues of life. We got to go to the source. And we got to believe that God, it, God may send us to systems. He may, in his wisdom, that might be the direction, but he needs to be our first call. And we need to understand that the power belongs to him. And it's a power that we get to carry. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in who? Okay, let us say that with some possess. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. One more time. The power that works in us. We're expecting God to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, but guess where it's coming through? The power that works in us. This is what you've been called to carry. This is what we get to do. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. We have been empowered for action, not a freak show. Moving on. Number two, empowered for evangelism. Empowered for evangelism. Jesus said, you will be witnesses to me. You will be witnesses of who I am. What is the Holy Spirit for? How does he operate in our lives? He empowers us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's possible that if we are having this difficulty of sharing with anybody around us, we don't even know how to express, we're not feeling really confident about God, we might not need an education about that. We might not need to go to a seminar. We might need to spend some time with the Holy Spirit and say, come on, stir me up, empower me. I I am available. I am ready. I want to. I can see the brokenness. I can see the hurt. I can see the pain. I want to empower me, Holy Spirit spirit empower me to be a witness to who Jesus really is but again sometimes we're so offended that I don't want to accidentally do something weird that I walk past people all the time and never share and do weird things happen yes weird is really just unexplainable and sometimes there's flesh in it. Sometimes there's stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I feel like God's walking us through this season because we need to be prepared. And I'm, so I'm just going to put, put it out there for you. Um, weird things happen here all the time. Yeah. Not for the sake of weirdness, but because Holy Spirit does stuff that is outside our, of our boxes. And we don't fully understand what all those things look like. We want to give him space to move, though. And just because we can't control it or don't control it, just because we can't explain it, doesn't mean that we shut it down. It means that we look for the fruit on the other side. What is it for? If, if there is no fruit, then it's possible it's just a, a fleshy thing. 
But there is something that God is doing, and I believe there are, there are manifestations beginning to show. Uh, for those who weren't here last Sunday night, I had the weirdest thing happen. I love that we put these things online. Ugh. Anyways, um, sitting there right by Wayne, which is under nothing, and we're in worship, and raindrops started falling on my forehead. Yes. Not I felt them, I saw them. I, I wiped it off my head, and I said to Wayne, I'm like, do you see this? Because I'm like, am I losing my marbles? Where is it coming from? But we've been praying for the reign of the Spirit to flow in this place. And I believe he gives us these little tastes to say, look up, look up, expect, be anticipating, be watchful, be open, be ready. I'm about to move. I'm about to move. I don't have any explanation for that. Is that weird? 100% it's weird. But it's so awesome. I, I don't, like, what, are we ready? I think we need to be okay with weird water falling on the pastor's head if we're going to be okay with people coming out of wheelchairs. Yes. I think we need to be okay with weird water falling on the pastor's head if we're going to see people come to life and be delivered and walked in freedom and wholeness. We want to see people experience the fullness of God. We got to be okay with a little weird. Yeah. I mean, Jesus spit in people's eyes to heal them. There's a story of Naaman who was supposed to dip in a muddy river to get healed of leprosy. Strange things outside of our paradigm of normal are God's track record. Because if we can figure it out, it's not him. He leads us into the places where we're completely dependent on his voice. We're completely dependent on his nature. We're completely dependent on his track record. Do we want a move of the spirit? I think we're desperate for it. Our society is so broken. Our culture is so broken. Our school systems are broken. Everything's damaged under man's leadership. We need a move of the spirit of God desperately are we ready to be empowered for this are we ready to partner with him in this are we ready to to step out into the deep with him i'm not saying we're all, we, we don't we don't put it on ourselves we are open to allowing him to move and be empowered so empowered for evangelism acts 1 8 again you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Mark 16, 15 to 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes in me and is baptized will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. This is sometimes with words, this is sometimes with our life, but it is absolutely the mandate of heaven for us. Acts chapter 2:8, this is uh, 2:38. This is right after the Holy Spirit comes and Peter steps into this. Immediately, he steps into it. Peter said to them, "Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." Verse 41 of that same chapter says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Verse 47, And then the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. 
Acts 5, 14 to 16. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from our surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented of unclean spirits, and they were... They were all healed. Sometimes we get so messed up in our heads because maybe we've prayed for something and we didn't see it turn out the way we wanted it to. We believed God and we trusted for something and we didn't see it come out the way we had hoped it. It didn't have the outcome. We saw somebody maybe pass away that we thought was gonna be healed. We maybe had to go for surgery when we thought God was just gonna miraculously knit things together. And maybe... We've had such a struggle with it in our own hearts and minds that we've just disengaged and went, you know what? Healing's not a thing. I believe the spirit who is the comforter, the helper, allows us to find a space for that. We will all have answers when we get to the other side. But in the meantime, even though I've also had disappointments, praying for people and not seeing the outcome I wanted, I will continue to pray for healing over and over and over and over and over again because this is what it looks like when the Holy Spirit's in action. And quite frankly, we're not seeing the fullness of the Holy Spirit, period, because I believe mostly the Canadian church is very lukewarm and God's not free to move as he desires. So we're maybe not seeing as many healings as we would like. We are not seeing a lot of the other stuff either. We're certainly not seeing people come by the thousands to Christ. We're not seeing people willing to give up their demons and their stuff. We got people who are deciding to put on packaging and labels and lifestyles because they're settling for the demonic instead of walking into freedom. So when we, the church, the body of Christ steps up and goes, you know what, Holy Spirit, we want everything that you've got for us. We want to walk fully in you and we're going to be as obedient as we can. We're going to be as surrendered to you as we can. And we're going to keep giving you opportunities to move. I believe that kind of fire, that kind of passion, that kind of willingness to like, even if it looks a little strange, whatever it takes, God, I want you more. I want to see this. I want to see this. I want to see these kind of answers and solutions and the things that happened. But the believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, consistent growth. We have seminars and teachings and, you know, systems in churches these days where we can talk about the fact that, generally speaking, the Canadian church is shrinking and attendance is going down and we're losing a generation and why aren't young people attending church and what can we do? How can we craft a service? How can we modify things to make it more appealing to people. (laughs) The book of Acts was not about smoke and lights and coffee bars. It was about the power of God being manifested in a surrendered people who are willing to do whatever it takes to walk with him and to partner with him. People who were persecuted. You don't get a prison break if you're not arrested. 
You don't get resurrections if people don't die. Like, you don't get healings if there aren't some issues. Like, we got to be... They went into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth because it says that they were persecuted. Great persecution rose against the church, and so they went. Philip was where he was when he was supposed to be there because he got driven out of Jerusalem. He got chased out of Jerusalem because there was persecution. I would absolutely love to transport somewhere. And just exp- like, wow, I just, I just woke up in Texas. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> but it's possible that that kind of an experience doesn't happen until you're persecuted. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Is, is it possible that the path he might have taken on his normal travels, he might have been in danger. And so God, what I'm going to have to take you around there and get you where you need to be for your next assignment. Are we committed to the purposes of God? Are we ready? When we say we want Holy Spirit, are we looking to laugh on the floor and and, and do things? Or are we looking for power to do the things that Jesus has called us to do? Are we ready to go into all the world and preach the gospel? What are, when we talk Pentecost, what are we looking for? I believe it has been twisted and we have looked at manifestations and called it the real deal and it's not there can be manifestations but like marriage is marriage marriage is not just having somebody to go for breakfast with you might actually have somebody to go for breakfast with but marriage is this covenant commitment where you're doing life together the baptism of the holy spirit is about an engagement with the power of god in our lives that completely transforms us it is not about a laughing game somewhere or crying or those things happen there are physical manifestations because our bodies have a hard time dealing with that measure of power but what it's really about is who it's really about and that's where we have to come so number one then number three we're empowered for action number two we're empowered for evangelism number one we're empowered for relationship and that is what it's really about that's what pentecost is that's what the coming of the holy spirit really is about that's what walking with him is really in a, is about we cannot separate the power of god from his nature and desire for relationship that's what the whole thing was when Jesus came to the earth and he died and he rose again and he said, I'm going to leave and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And it was about preparing a bride. It's about relationship. And if we separate Holy Spirit from relationship, we're completely deluded and we miss the power. We miss the fruit. We miss the product. We're looking for the stuff without being in the covenant. Empowered for relationship. Jesus said there was actually an advantage to him leaving and Holy Spirit coming. It says in John 16, 7, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And the helper is Holy Spirit, who is God. Jesus is the son, who is God. The father is God. We have this movement that happens, and some, some of us really struggle with the abstractness of it, but the feeling of God with us, that is Holy Spirit who has been sent to help us. The word helper there is in some translations, it's comforter. It's the word parakletos, and it means intercessor or advocate. 
He's the one who is with us, walking with us, carrying us, teaching us, instructing us. This is the relationship. John 14, verse 12, and then 15 to 17, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, this is Jesus, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is a, a he, this is a being, this is a a person of the Godhead that we get to walk with. And sometimes we just tune him out because we don't understand. Sometimes we just go, that is, that is very strange. I am not into that. I'm not, I'm not interested. It is God who dwells with us and in us. This is an incredible gift. Put yourself in your mind back at the, the base of Mount Sinai and the cloud comes down and fire comes down and there's rumblings and shakings and God's like, I'm going to talk to you. And people are like, ah, we get to, we get to go, Holy Spirit, thank you for walking with me today. Thank you for being in every moment and in every decision. I thank you that because you are here, I am not alone. I have wisdom that I can draw on. You are the comforter. You are the advocate. You are the one who leads me and reminds me of the things that I need to know and teaches me of the things that Jesus said. You are with me always. You are in me. I'm not quaking at the base of a mountain. I'm walking with God. And so if every once in a while there's a weird little twitch, heaven forbid we walk away from the Godhead because we're irritated by that. It's just flesh. Have you ever noticed, my personal little theory, I could be wrong. Have you ever seen those videos of like, um, it looks like people are eating live octopus or whatever, but apparently if they put salt on the tentacles, they like twitch so they can serve you the plate of twitching. Anybody seen those? You now should Google it if you haven't because it's horrifyingly interesting. But the salt is just, it's like, uh, activating some of the stuff that's still in the, the, the animal is dead, but there's still some residual stuff in the limbs. And so the salt like activates it. I happen to think when the Holy Spirit moves and we have some weird stuff go on, yeah. it's just like a little residual of the flesh, just kind of doing a thing and it don't, don't worry about it. Yeah. This is not necessarily a new normal. Sometimes you just, the flesh is like Freaking out and just picture the octopus on the plate and you are welcome for your afternoon entertainment. Uh, it's good to know these things for sure. John 14, 25 to 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have spoken to you. This is who he is. This is what he does. He is the helper 
who will teach you, who will bring to you remembrance of all that I said to you. It is literally relationship that God's inviting us into. And Jesus is like, this is far better. Some of us are so, we we're so in love with Jesus that we're like, I would really prefer it if Jesus was here in the flesh. But Jesus in the flesh said, it's better for you that I go. Do we trust him? Do we trust him with that? And so just to leave you with this, and, and we're not going to spend a, a ton of time and like work anything up today. I, I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to lead us in some wisdom and challenge our expectations and what we're open to today. But literally the option of asking him to come and to, to pour out on us, to be, that we would be immersed in him. We see Acts Right there in Acts 2, it happens. I want you to just flip to Acts 8 as well because we see a secondary place here. This is a later spot where there's a different group of people. Acts 8 and verse 14 to 17. It says, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, so they had received Jesus, they sent John... um, They sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed with them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So there's a secondary thing there. There's a move that happens. We see this happen again in Acts chapter 10. There's this um, move, Acts chapter 10, verse 44. It's helpful for us to just know that there's, there's this. It's this secondary thing. And starting in verse 44, it's Peter talking to the Gentiles, people of Cornelius' household, who this is brand new for them. When Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many, who came, as, many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had also been poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? These guys went, they believe Jesus, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then they're baptized in water. So it's not, it's like this, this flow, God was far more concerned about the relationship than he was even about that process and, and having it done exactly perfectly. The Holy Spirit moved. So this flow was there. But ultimately in Acts chapter 10, there's also this really weird thing where this guy comes and, and uh, or sorry, Acts chapter 8, where Simon the sorcerer comes and he, he believes in Jesus He's, uh, he's baptized in water and then he sees the Holy Spirit start to be poured out and he says, because he's been previously the guy who everybody's like, he's of God, like he's a man of God. He's a sorcerer actually. He's working under a false identity and he's working under a false power and he tries to purchase the ability to baptize with the Holy Spirit and he's completely reprimanded because it's not about just the power. It's not about just the manifestations. It is about the relationship with Jesus Christ and the fullness of the relationship of walking in the spirit of God. And so we want to make sure that we come back to this very beginning thing where we know that we've been, yes, we've been empowered to actually do stuff. We've been empowered to evangelize, but we've been empowered to live in this relationship with him. 
Sometimes we go to a conference, we go to a gathering, and there's, it's like, oh, there's a big Holy Spirit preacher there, and it's going to be so great. Things are going to happen at the altar. I just want to caution us. Holy Spirit is available every day, every hour, every minute. And God is far more concerned about the relationship than he is about which conference we can get to or which gathering or which book or who can lay hands on us or whatever. He wants to know, are we ready for him? The first group that was waiting in the upper room, they didn't really know what this was going to look like. They'd seen Jesus operate in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They seen what it looks like in action to have that kind of relationship, but they just waited and they were open and their hearts were ready for what the Holy Spirit would do in and through them. I want to invite us into that place today and tonight we're going to, we're going to go into prayer um, with our studies going to be so good, but we're going to spend a little bit deeper time pursuing this, but for this morning, if I could have the worship team come. And I want to just take a moment to lean in a little bit and ask the Lord to search our hearts. Can we do the King of Glory song? Yeah, you're already there. Of course you are. Um, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what's going on in our hearts. And if there's any place we have judgments or criticisms. I'm not saying everybody in the house has to get all freaky tiki here. I'm just saying we don't want to be walking around with stop there signs in front of God. Where because we've been confused or hurt or offended or whatever, you know, for years, I actually, like I said, grew up in a Pentecostal church. Wayne had a similar experience um, growing up in charismatic circles. And um, I for years could not speak in tongues. I went for so many altar calls and I, so I know I know the feeling. Sometimes when you have too much head knowledge though, you get stuck there. And it's like, I know what's supposed to happen and I'm asking and the word says to ask and he gives liberally and I'm not, not receiving anything. And uh, I mean, I've been... I've been pushed over, I've been nudged, I've been shaken. I don't think any of that is really necessary, frankly. We ask, the Father gives, we receive. And sometimes the manifestations of what that looks like comes in different ways at different times. In my case, it was as a young adult, after years of going up to the altar and coming back to my seat going, I guess I'm not worthy. I asked, I didn't get it, it, I didn't get it. He wanted a relationship with me and he was there, but I was so stuck in what my mind said and what other people did that I wasn't doing, that I couldn't, I couldn't experience the fullness until Finally, as a young adult, somebody prayed with me and just said, you know, I believe you've received. When you're driving home today, just worship God and see what happens. Just start, you know, if there's, if there's a syllable or something that pops out, just sit on that for a minute. Just see what happens. And I completely received the fullness of speaking in tongues and it's morphed and grown and different gifts of the Spirit have, have shown up at different times in different ways. But the blockage was not God, it was my head. 
And Wayne had a similar experience. He, same thing. I'm just gonna tell your story. I never ask my family if I can tell these stories. I just ask forgiveness afterwards, but. But very similar, you know, a lot of, we're pushing at the altar and whatever, which is inappropriate and unacceptable in my opinion. And so you get tense and you're like, oh, I'm gonna lock, lock my knees and lock my feet and wear good shoes so I can stand. Nobody's gonna push me over. I'm not going down until I get something. Well, that is not the right approach, right? How do we receive anything from the Lord if we're in battle down mode? Like I'm, I'm locked in so I don't, I don't. How do you receive in that, that state of mind, right? So, um, very similar experience. Wayne had all the same things. And then one Sunday, going into an evening service as young parents, he walked in, music was super loud in the building, and he just started singing along and then realized I'm not singing the same words as everybody else. Something had just released because his mind and his heart was on worship and on the Lord, and God, God showed up in a way. And I just, I want to demystify this today. I don't want you to pursue tongues. I don't think, if Jesus said, if he meant that, he would have said, stay in Jerusalem until you have received tongues. He said, stay until, in Jerusalem until you've received power. Who is the fullness of the Holy Spirit? So let's stand together this morning. And can I just pray over you or release over that? I want to break off some old mindsets today. Are you open to that? somebody is. Are you open to that this morning? I just believe we want to purify the, the, the flow, you know, and, and absolutely, like Paul said, I, I pray in tongues more than everybody. I want you to. I want you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I want all these things to happen. But what we want is what Jesus wanted for us and who he wanted for us and this part of the Godhead. And so this Pentecost, we don't wanna be those people at the base of the mountain going, you know what, you talk to him and tell me what he said. No, I wanna talk to him. I wanna hear his voice. And I'm not focused on manifestations. I'm not focused on any specific thing. I'm focused on him, the relationship. God, this morning I pray over this house. I pray over each person watching online. And God, today I thank you for the fullness of your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the one who teaches us. And so even today as we go in and we study the book of Acts, we don't see people chasing manifestations. We see people walking with you. We see people engaging a relationship with the living God that is full and complete, that is marked by power. Lord, I thank you for the power that you offer us through relationship. But God, most importantly, we thank you for the relationship. We thank you, God, that we can know the living God, that we can walk in the fullness. We thank you that your word says that you give Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so God, today, we simplify it. Every place where we in our own hearts and minds, maybe because of, of stuff we don't understand or maybe because of stuff that has happened to us or happened around us, maybe stuff that we've seen that is just weird and we, we can't explain it. God, where we've put up walls or we've taken up offense or we've chosen to give you a boundary line. God, today we just ask your forgiveness. 
And we thank you for purifying our pursuit of you. Lord, forgive us for putting your label on somebody else's experience. Forgive us for putting a label on our own fear. Forgive us for putting a label on our own boxes and boundary lines. God, today I pray that you would help us to just strip that away and release it to you. And I just want to encourage you right now, if there's any situation or a person or a personal experience that's coming to mind, I want you to just picture yourself boxing that up and handing it to God. Just release it to Him. We don't need to carry it anymore. We don't need to figure you out, God. And we, we can never figure you out. But we know that you are good. And we know that your track record is good. And we can see by when we read the word, we can see when the spirit of God is moving, good things happen. That the city is filled with joy. That the sick are healed. That the lame walk. That the bound are free. That salvation comes and the broken hearts are healed. When you move, when you move, you are so good. You are so kind. You are the liberator. You are the life giver. You are the power source. You are the freedom that we crave. You are the wisdom that we need. God, today I pray that you would help us to open our hearts to you and to allow you to be you in us. I pray today, God, that any place of limitation, even if it's decades old, would be shattered in Jesus' name. And we pull it right back to what you said, Jesus. The words that you said when you said to, to wait until the Holy Spirit has come. And we know at salvation, he indwells us, but we're looking for more. We're looking for the fullness today. We're looking for an increase in our relationship with you. We're looking for that ability to walk in the power that you've offered us. And God, I pray a release of that over your people today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are welcome. We don't want to be the people that stand at a, a distance and observe you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are welcome. Just as you feel the liberty, even as we go into this song, when Jesus said, we ask the Father and he gives the Holy Spirit. We know that the same people that stood there under the tongues of fire were also the same people just a couple chapters later asking for boldness. And it said that the Holy Spirit came and shook the place and they were all filled again. As you feel led, ask him. Open yourself up. Maybe there'll be something physical happen. Maybe there won't, but you ask. And the word says, he gives. So we receive. Lord, I thank you for changing us and transforming us by your power. I thank you for next level release, Holy Spirit, upon and amongst your people today. 
And we thank you that you are, Holy Spirit, the comforter. There's no fear in you. And so we lean in, and today we ask for more. We ask that the power of God would be manifested in our lives, and we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.